Listen, before we get to the conversation, speaking of something that needs to be fixed, if you have a motorcycle that needs fixed and you're in Cleveland or you're driving through Northeast Ohio or Ohio, go to Disown Customs in Cleveland. I want you to visit them at disowncustoms.com. Whether it's something basic, you need something welded or an oil change or basic service. I mean, if you have that motorcycle that's been sitting around that you think cannot be fixed, I'm telling you, you bring it to them and they'll get it back on the road. That's the kind of stuff they do. They're known not just in Cleveland, but they're really known nationally. Danny and the crew over there are doing amazing work. And I know anybody in Cleveland who rides a bike, anyone I've talked to, I don't. But anyone I talk to, I ask them where they take it, they go to Disown Customs. And so do yourself a favor. If you do ride a motorcycle and you haven't gone to Disown Customs, go there. I'm telling you, you'll be satisfied. Again, that's disowncustoms.com. Hey, everybody, this is Aaron Calafato, and you're listening to The Connect. So what does the connect mean? The connect to me is that moment in a conversation with someone when you realize that you're better off as a person because you had that conversation. And if there's an audience listening, they're better off for it too. So that's the simple mission and challenge of this podcast. Can I create the connect with each one of my diverse guests? Hey, everybody, if you hear this echo in the background, that's because I'm in my new studio in my new house that we just moved into, and I almost have all the insulation around me, but not quite. So bear with me, but the conversation's worth it. This talk, I have a conver- this talk, how many times can I say conversation? I'm insane. This, this discourse uh, was with Matt Culling. Matt's the president and CEO of Leaf Filter North Incorporated. You know the, the filters, right, on the gutters? Leafs can't get in. It's this very practical idea. He's been able to build this enterprise around it, an amazing, thriving business with a great culture and a lot of employees with a national presence. And on top of that, he has these other enterprises, uh, Colleague Capital. He's got uh, uh, Colleague Racing. The guy owns a NASCAR, like in a NASCAR team. He's the owner. It's incredible. There's a whole universe to that. And we get into that into the conversation. And uh, there's colleague media. I don't know if I already mentioned that. The bottom line is, here's a guy that is is competitive. I mean, he was a collegiate athlete at Akron University, so he's got a competitive edge. He's charismatic. He's got a great skill set, and he's able to take um, all of that together and then just build things. I find it so fascinating, uh, people who are builders people who take an idea and are able just to create something from that with that vision and impact their own success, but also the success of others and help people around them with that. Matt's really involved in charity. So the guy's just a very dynamic individual. And it was really rewarding for me to sit down and just dig into his brain a little bit and figure out, you know, where does that come from? Why, why, what makes you tick? Why do you do that? What makes you get up and want to go the extra mile and not just say, Hey, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to collect a paycheck and go home. I find those type of people really interesting and it informs my view of the world. And it also helps me with my own inspiration for the work that I do. And I hope that whether it's a character study or just an interesting conversation that you can get something out of that too. So without further ado, here's my talk with Matt Colleague.
would you say that you're a guy that banks on you and your personality or is it the ideas that you create or is it both? It's uh, it's it's actually or is both. it none of them? And I know it's the worst question of all time. No, That's it's 100 percent. It's it's a billion percent like both. Okay. So I wanted to create a bit. It was a business and it's an idea, but somebody has to sell the idea. You have yeah. to sell other people on it. So I started my business out of my house. So it was literally me, just one person like out of my house. Like, what were you doing you when you say this? Yeah, you were in the, in the basement, right? It says in yeah. your bio, it says in the basement. Okay. Were you just going, no. what do I do with my life? No, 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 no. Or, no. <laughs> no, I had a great job. Okay? okay. So I was making money. So I was, a, I was a sales manager at a remodeling company. Okay. So for eight years. So that's the first thing I did out of school. So I went to business school and then started uh, working for a home improvement company, yeah. selling remodeling. So I was a salesman. And uh, after four years, I became the sales manager. And so I was a sales manager for four years yeah. and, uh, and came across this gutter protection product, which was um, the, uh, it's the newest technology. So it was a great product, uh, showed it to a few homeowners and they loved it. So I'm like, um, I, could sell, I could sell a lot of this. I could quit my job and just work out of my house and make more money. And I was making a lot of money at the time. So, so how does that product, so that's that, what like, it, you that, came, was it a product that was created or was it a product that you, that they had just out of the factory? Like, how did it be, how did it become what it is now? And how did you, I know these are just crazy questions, well, but how did you, cause I made it that way. Tell me how. So, uh, it's marketing, marketing, sales and marketing. So when I started leaf filter, um, I was a dealer. So I actually didn't start leaf filter. That was the product. So it was manufactured up in Plainwell, Michigan. It was invented by a guy named Alex Higginbotham. And, uh, and it was invented in 2001. And so I became a dealer just out of my house in 2005. So not until 2005 did I do that. So um, I was one of 91 other dealers. There was one in Cleveland. Uh, I was down here in Stowe. Okay. And, and then there were 89 other dealers, like nationwide. So everybody had the opportunity to sell it. We just sold it better than everybody else. So I worked out of my house for two years. Okay. And then, and then in 2007, got an office here. We're in Hudson, so right across the street. And, um, and then have just grown, you know, from there. What is, sa- what is sales? <clears throat> so when you say you sold it better than anybody else, like that was sort of the spark. Well, yeah. what, what is sales to you? Well, it's more, well, selling sales to me is a transference of feelings. So from one person to the other, if I can make you feel as passionate about my product as I feel about it, yeah. then you'll buy it. So selling. So it's somebody, just the optimism and the passion about the thing itself. Yeah. But it's the same thing about um, like you were asking before about um, how did we grow the company? I mean, yeah. th- was it an idea and then how much of it is me? And so when I was growing the company and we're still growing, I mean, we open an office every single month like now. So we've got 40, I've gone from my basement in 2005 and 2006 yeah. to we've got 48 offices. We're about to open our 49th office this week. Um, you know, our fourth up in Canada. So, um, but having to go around and travel around the country and just sell everybody, uh, all the salespeople, all the marketing people in our company that we have the best product on the planet, then um, that's not easy to do. So it was me going around the country saying, hey, we're the best company, we get the best product, we do the best service, like it's, we're rock stars. And a lot of that, a lot of that sort of optimism that differentiates you and your work and the product, yep. that comes from 
I think there's sort of a, not a mystique, but a, a misconception about a lot of creators or entrepreneurs or anybody that builds something. Yeah. That it's like, I had this idea, this thing happens, and then boom. There's a lot of ugly stuff that, ha- and I don't mean ugly in a bad way, but the, the non, I say the non-romantic stuff. Like when I'm setting up this podcast, I'm not like, sometimes I'm not filming when I'm carrying in my Tupperware full of audio equipment. Because yeah. that's, that's, the, that's the hard work. That's the stuff that people don't see. There's been a lot of that for you, I'm assuming. A lot. So I used to, so even when I was starting my business, my cell phone was uh, my business phone. So it was always on me. It's the same phone number that I have today. Still now? Still now. Oh, really? You know? And so, like, when people say, hey, they're afraid to give out their cell phone to customers, you know, because you just don't want to get calls. I mean, we have, we have 300,000 customers now. What and is so, your phone like? It's got to be a disaster. Yeah, my phone's rockstar. It's awesome. I mean, it's not the same. No, it's not the same, same flip phone that I have, but it's the same number though. It's the but same, same exact it must, number. Go, it must be going off the chain all the time. No, never. No, because really? we do a great job. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'll get a call. I, I think the last call I've gotten was maybe six months ago from a customer hmm. that was uh, that I had in 2006. I mean, this is 12 years ago. And they said, you know, I said, well, things have changed. You know, we have a service department now, not just me working out of my house. Yeah. So, um, no, it's so uh, you were asking about the the ugliness or the grind, yeah. you know, that stuff. But I used to have to set up all the shows like we when I first started my business, one of the main things that we did for marketing was go to the Hartville flea market. You've been in the Hartville. I flea have market? not. I've heard about it. I have it's not a been huge there. flea market down at Hartville, Ohio. And, you know, people set up, you know, set up booths and sell candles and like, it's almost like it's a, a hustle, man. It's yeah. a, everyone's set up. I know what you're talking yeah. about, but yeah. like you have your table, you got your, you have to rent the space, right? Or something like you do. that. Okay. And it's like, it, well, back in the day it was like $7. So they were open like $7 for the day. For real? Yeah. Seven. It's like a garage sale type, okay. you know, place. And, um, and I hope they're not mad at me for saying that, but, uh, but that's how it was. And so yeah. we sat there and put a display up. And so we'd have to get up there early in the morning, get a display and stand there all day and just get leads, you know, generate leads. And was this so, you, you and your team talking to people? Just like, hey, how you doing? Or it just that kind of thing, right? Literally just talking to people. But you also have to get them uh, open-minded enough to let, them, let you come out and give them an estimate. You can stand at a flea market all day. So in direct sales or direct consumer, I mean, you have to sell stuff. So we can't sell, we don't actually sell our gutter screens um, the leaf filter at the show. Yeah. We have we have to come out to your house, measure it up, give your price, and then um, and then if you agree to do it, then then we come out and install. So we're not standing there selling products. Yeah. But what you're doing is selling estimates, basically. You know, the ability to allow you to come out to their house. So you know, people would walk by and obviously just want a brochure. But you know, when you're just starting out in business, I mean, you have to hustle. I mean, you've got to, yep. you got to make it happen. You have to, you know, you're a new business. How long have you been in business? Well, we've been in business now for four weeks. You know, that's not, right. that's not a good we're comfortable. We're up. Yeah, <laughs> we're just starting up. But like, you can be our first customer. It'll be great. Yeah. Um, so you've, you have to be creative in how you, uh, you know, uh, allow people to, you know, come out to your house. And um, so anyway, we developed this, TNT mentality, like like we wear these uh, bracelets. Yeah, I saw that. What is that? What is that? It's uh, TNT standing for today, not tomorrow. Yeah. So it has to. I mean, we have to do today, especially in business. I mean, it's like you might be out of business tomorrow. So if you don't make stuff happen today, if you don't sell something today, um, I mean, you might, you know, you, you might go out of business. 
So that's li- life too. You know, life is like that. You know, life you, is like you know, that. You're not you just, guaranteed anything. You just don't know. So you make it happen while you can make it happen. And so with, it's just a philosophy that we have that I have personally, but in business, especially like you have to make it happen today. There are no guarantees. Who knows what happens with the economy? Um, you know, again, something like nine eleven happens. Yeah. Uh, 2008 was just a disaster, bad, a disaster. Yeah. So, um, you know, you have to make it happen while you can make it happen. So when you, you, it, I could be wrong. You could yeah. be the greatest actor of all time, but you seem to like people. I love people. And yeah. you seem to love to really thrive on, on, on not just interacting to me. And I, I want to get one last kind of nerdy sales question. Cause yeah. I'm not like a sales guy at the same time. This is all sales, man. I mean, building your own stuff, right? I was, when I was, it's always, like you said, transferring a feeling or emotion or an idea and communicating that to that person and and having them sort of to understand the passion and transferring that. You, when you're selling anything, what for you, Mm -hmm. what makes it turn into a relationship with a, with a client or, or a sale and where a lot of people have trouble, they hit that point where they have a conversation with someone and they say, hey, I'd like for you to be on my podcast or, hey, I have this great product. And then when it comes to getting that person to commit, even the person who's selling the idea, sometimes they hesitate or they get scared to ask. Yeah. How do you specifically frame not only your sales pitch, but your personality and the way that you transfer that so that it, so that it gets people so excited that they actually take part in your in whatever you're, you're yeah. a part of? Because that to me seems to be the threshold that a lot of people – like that's the challenge for so many people. Well, it's challenging for salespeople because uh, like you said, it's hard to ask for the sale. Like people are afraid to ask, you know, it's like, right. You know, and I'm married, I've been married for 20 years. My wife's a licensed marriage counselor, which is fun. Right. <laughs> so, but, uh, but I always use the example of like, you know, if you're, you're afraid like to even ask a girl out, mm. you know, it's like, well, just go ask her out. You know, wow, what if I get rejected? What if she says, no, I don't know if I can handle that embarrassment. What embarrassment for what? 10 seconds. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but people generally, and I always use that example because people can relate like you're, you know, people are afraid to ask for the sale. You're afraid to ask people for stuff. So if you can get over that, I mean, that's, that's one big key to sales, Yeah. but it's also being able to, um, uh, to be able to, I, I don't want to say overcome like a need. I mean, if somebody has a need, mm-hmm. like we sell gutter screens, you know, we do leaf filters. So people don't want to get up and clean their gutters out anymore. So if we can show you the best solution for that, then you won't have to do that anymore. Then, then it takes care of that. But as far as employees and selling people on like your company and whatever you're a, you know, if, if you want to make money, you have to make money for a living. Mm -hmm. And so if you want a good job with a good company, then I have to sell you also on like, you should come to work for us. Right. And I also have to sell you and motivate you the fact that, that you want to do a great job so that we can continue to grow as a company and you help your teammates out and we become better as a company and then you'll make more money. And it just, I mean, it just, it does just snowball. So, I mean, I think that's how you build a business, but you're always selling, you know, I hate to say the word selling everybody on everything. Yeah. But that's my, that's right? my terrible terminology. Yeah. yeah correct me on yeah. that. What, what do you call it? Um, it's, um, I don't want to say motivating, but mm. I, I would say it's more inspiring. Like mm. I want to inspire you. I want to inspire employees to do a great job. Yeah. They want to be committed to a cause. You know, what's the... 
what's the cause? I mean, if you're in a company, you want to do a great job in the company and you want the company to be the best company it can be so that everybody can, you know, to everybody moves up, gets promotion, makes more money. I mean, you're only working for one reason. It's mm. to make money. Mm. You know, people say all the time, like, well, hey, I would do, you know, they don't actually mean I would do this for free. But, you know, given the opportunity to either do your job, I just love my job. I would just, you know, I don't care about the money. It's just you have to do something that you're passionate about. Well, you also need money, right? right. So people wouldn't just work for free. They, they wouldn't. They need money. So while you're going to be at work, you might as well make money. Mm -hmm. And so the only way to make more money and do and buy more things for your family and everything else is, uh, is to do a great job and then just to build a team and, you know, and, and everybody just everybody moves up together. Right. Let's, let's circle back to, to you and sort of maybe where this um, this the inspiration that you have for whether it's building things um, and I want, I want to dive into NASCAR in a second because I think it's awesome. Yeah. But uh, tell me a little bit about growing up. Where did you grow up and what was your, what was your life like? Were you, was it ideal? Was it tough? Did you, what was your, what's your situation? That was a pretty ideal life. I, I mean, we had, um, I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio. So, uh, you know, grew up there. I have a twin sister, uh, Melissa, who's a, uh, so she's exactly my age. Yeah. I'm one minute older than she is. I'm sure you let her know that all the time. That's right. Yeah. I'm the oldest. <laughs> And then, uh, and then I have a younger brother who's four years younger. Okay. Uh, so my mom and my dad, like, so we grew up in Cincinnati. My three family's kids? from there. Yep. Okay. So three kids, um, you know, middle-class family. We lived in a, um, a split level house and, and went to a Catholic, uh, grade school mm -hmm. and, uh, just great. I mean, we had a neighborhood full of kids, lived on a cul-de-sac, rode our bikes, just had a, so it was, it was a really great, Reds played fan. sports, Reds fan, Reds fan, Bengals, Bengals fan. fan. Yep. Um, so just great played football, basketball, baseball. And so that was my, I, I'd say passion, like, but just played sports all day long, all the time. So, so yeah, you, so you, you love, so you love sports. You played sports. Yep. Is that at that time where you're like, Hey, I want to, I want to be Pete Rose or I want to be, or, or did you, or was it sort of just like, this is fun. When did you start getting traction for like, I want to be this? Or was that not there? No, it was always there. So when we talk about leadership, mm -hmm. when we talk about even in business now, you know, I, I mean, I was a quarterback. I played football in college, you know, so and at I was Akron, a quarterback right? at Akron. Yeah. Yep. And been um, a captain. But even as a kid, like I was the kid that was on the bench, like paying attention during the game. You know, even in, in second grade, when all the kids are like, you know, goofing off or like throwing each other's hats around or, you know, and, and just screwing around like I was paying attention, like I was keeping stats and I was keeping, you know, score and I cared about, you know, winning and, and doing well. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I have no idea. Is that just that, would you say this is how I'm built? I, I think it was just how I'm built, it, you know, and looking back, I mean, I'm 45 years old now. Uh -huh. So in in looking back at it, like I think just it, it was I don't want to say I was different, but I, I was clearly different in that I wanted to get better. Right. Um, even growing up on sports teams, like I wanted to be the captain. Mm. Like, and if I had to work harder to be better, like I, I did. I was willing to put the practice in. What's the end care. result for you, whether it's on a team, whether it's playing quarterback? For you, what's that ultimate goal that you obviously never stop? 
But I always say for me, like just as an example to kind of go back and forth, when I, if I listen to an episode that I do, uh, yeah. and I also do a storytelling podcast. So like when I hear the final product and I know that people listen to it, I know that it, it creates a positive impact. That for me, at least for that 10 minutes, I'm yeah. like, cool, that's it. Then it's like back to work. That was what, good stuff. What is, yeah. your, what is your sort of moment of nirvana? Because I'm assuming with your personality, there's, it's not eternal because otherwise you just sit back and yeah. you're like, all right, I'm done. I made it. What, do you have a moment of nirvana or is, it a, or is it almost like a painful cycle of like build, 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 then build again? What um, is that for you? You know, it's, I, I get pleasure. I've gotten pleasure lately uh, just from seeing employees do great things. Mm. Um, you know, I have, I, I have an example of like our call center manager. Her name's Cam Jellison, and she's a total rock star. But she, so she started with me maybe 10 years ago and she came on as a, like a, uh, like a part-time, you know, administrative assistant. Mm -hmm. And so it was back when we had maybe four people in our call center and she came on as an assistant. And, uh, so she has grown now with the company over time Mm -hmm. to become our call center manager. We have 160 people in our call center and she is a total rock star where she manages all of them. So when I sit back sometimes and watch somebody like her yeah. that we've taken from, from being a, from an administrative assistant to now running, almost running the company, yeah. then it is so, it, it just, it almost brings tears to your eye where you're, it takes so much pride in that. So yeah. that's my nirvana. Like when I see people succeeding and doing great things, even in their life mm-hmm. that, um, um, you know, it just makes me proud. What about you? Is there anything that drives you? Do you have a, a, a spiritual guideline? Do you have a, or are you, you know, uh, is there something that you, outside of the parameters of everyday life and the, the sort of the things that we, the, the, the day-to-day things that we need, like you said, you know, make yeah. it a living for your family. Yeah. Is there something that, and, it may, and you may not, this is not like a right or wrong question. Yeah. Something that you also have in your mind, or something that guides you from a, from a spiritual standpoint. I would say, um, and that's kind of a personal thing because yeah. everyone's different. But I, I'm always interested in that because sometimes there's just another. Everyone has a different layer, even if yeah. it's a, even if it's not like God or a particular doctrine. It's like, you know, a, a metaphysical thing or even yeah. an ethical thing. Like I, I think that this is the right way or the way that works for the most people. Do you have anything that kind of points you in that direction? I mean, I would say more, I wouldn't say from a spiritual standpoint, but just, uh, just the desire to, uh, be good, Mm. you know, the desire to win. Um, and I don't think I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm a very competitive guy, but I'm definitely not like one of those mad, crazy competitive, like have to destroy. yeah, Yeah. Like just at all costs. Um, so it's just, it's, we keep statistics on everything that we do. So again, own a NASCAR team now. It's all stats. How are we doing in the standings? Where yeah. are you? Um, with our company at Lee Filter, we stack rank all the offices. We have 48 offices, so they're all stack ranked. We stack rank the managers. We yeah. stack rank employees. Almost just, I don't want to say for fun, but just because statistically you want to see who's, who's better, yeah. who's the best. And so we keep track of all of our sales every day, our marketing by channel. And so it's just fun to look at statistics and improve. Like anything that you can measure, you can improve. So are you like an analytic guy? I'm, are, are, uh, in, in the sense that like, yeah. do, you, do you take pride in being able to, to look at the data and say, okay, this is what we... 
this is what we have and because it's it feels like in life there's so many yeah. there's so few things you can control that seems like it's almost a, especially with the technology that we have we can capture some of that stuff yeah that th- that gets you going though being able to to capture that and figure out ways to adapt and change and be better yep i right. think i think it's crazy important in whatever you do if i'm you know i step i'm one of those guys that steps on the scale every morning okay it drives my wife nuts but i'll i i'll step on the scale every morning and see what i weigh and then it either it either it either makes me happy or makes me pissed, right? Yeah. So, but I, I would track it. I used to just keep track. I used to write down what I weighed every single day just to be able to look at it and say, hey, have I gained three pounds over the last six months yeah. or have I lost three pounds, you know? And so, um, you know, with sales, with marketing, with, um, you know, if I'm a baseball, if I'm on a baseball team, yeah. we have 30 games. Like you keep track of like your stats, you keep track of winning, winning and losing. And so I think it's a, it's a guideline. Like I said, anything that you can measure, you can improve. And so if I can measure it, then I can get better. So it's mm-hmm. continuous and never-ending improvement. And I think that's important. Is there a, such a thing as a work-life balance? I've asked several people on this show. Oh, yeah. I mean, you mentioned your wife's a uh, licensed marriage counselor. Yeah. How do you, honestly, with the kind of schedule that you keep, yeah. And I know a lot of creatives, artists who sometimes marriages don't work out time with your family. I have a daughter who's five years old. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where even with my schedule, I'm like, I'm, you have to dedicate the time. And sometimes it, you, you, how do you keep your your health, your energy and then also still feed to those? Relate- Is that possible? Yeah, it's possible to do. Oh, yeah. Cause I always feel like there's 24 hours in a day. How do you do it? Yeah. No, I uh, uh, I've got a crazy, great, supportive uh family. So my wife, so we've been married for 20 years. Mm. I've got a 10 year old daughter who's in fourth grade and, uh, or just, I was going to say graduated fourth grade, but just got out of fourth grade. And, um, no, I, I mean, I, I see them all the time. Everything that I do is fun. So I would never do anything that just wasn't fun. Like I don't need to, uh, now. So we've got this huge company. Um, I used to grow, I used to go and visit all the offices three times a year. Okay. So this is back when I was growing the bit, you know, the business has grown like crazy, but like yeah. back when I was starting growing the business, even when we had 15 offices, like I would go to those offices because I felt it was important to build those relationships mm-hmm. with the people in the office, um, inspire them, mm-hmm. teach them how to do what we do. And so now over time, you've gotten more people in the company that, that can go do that. Right. So, um, you know, it's almost a situation where I barely go, I barely now even have to go to the offices. In fact, we've got 12 new offices that I haven't been, I mean, the last 12 offices that we've opened, like I haven't even been there. But I do that um, to say that I have to have a work-life balance. Like I can't just go, I mean, it makes no sense just to go and just trying to, you know, do what, several hundred more million dollars, and right. then I don't see my family and, and can't do that. Was there so. a time where you hit a wall where you kind of said, okay, shit, I got to, uh, you know, I'm noticing that I'm blurring the lines here and I need to pull yourself, or did someone pull you back? I've had some people be like, Aaron, yeah. well, take some time for you. Yeah. I'm like, no, never. I got to get 17,000 more episodes. Yeah. Do you, or was it you self-monitoring yeah. as you have, sort of like the scale where you just kind of go, oh, I'm noticing this. You seem to self-regulate pretty well. I do. Um, And and even it was important, like even as an example, you know, flying to these other offices or even NASCAR, like Mm -hmm. my NASCAR team, um, my wife and my daughter enjoy it. Yeah. So they'll go with me a lot of times. They 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 love it. Um, I'll fly. So instead of flying, uh, I'll fly private now. Yeah. 
you know, so that I can just fly in right before a race and then fly out right after a race. So even if it's a one o'clock race and it's up in Michigan, yeah. you know, I can be home. I'm, I'm home for dinner. And That's so, amazing. Can I ask you something real, yeah, just for, on sure. the real? Did you ever think you'd have your own plane? This, Absolutely. Like, yeah, did you really? A hundred percent. I mean, why else do you work? Yeah. I mean, I, I work. I just never even thought I would have. <laughs> I'm glad to have my own car. But I mean, you really did. You, you, you felt like this is sort of. Not when you're a kid, but like as. But you, you know, wanted, to, but you wanted something like that, well, right? That's not a bad thing. That's not like no, no, oh, no. But I'm yeah. saying you wanted. That's that's like that's I think is the coolest it, thing. It's crazy freedom. We call it. It's like time travel. Yeah. Like, it's literally almost like time travel, where you get on your plane, and then you fly somewhere, and then you get off the plane into a car, and then you're gone. You know, you're not waiting in security lines. You're not doing. Yeah. But you have to be able to do that. Um, so I said that even um, I'm going to say. I don't know, seven years ago yeah. where it's like, Hey, I have all these offices all over the country. I can scale this business. This is a rock star business. We can open offices all over the world, but there's no way I can wait in line at airports and then right. ha- keep my sanity. Got some guys sneezing on you. And, and yeah, I mean, and, and, it's just, but, but it's more the time factor. Right, right. And like, having to wait. Yeah. There's you can't no do way it. I can be away from my family. I'm not going to do that. So how do you, how do you do that? How do you, how are you able to be at several places, several places in the country yeah. in the same week without being totally exhausted and then totally frustrated and you don't see your family. Yeah. And so the way to do that is fly private, mm. have your own plane. And then if you, know, if you have a meeting in Nashville, Tennessee, and you're done with the meeting at five o'clock, like you can be home at 7.30 yeah. you know, for dinner. Isn't freedom amazing? It's, it's amazing. Is that something that you realized early? And do you think sometimes people get trapped in a mentality of like, I'm stuck? People do get trapped. People get trapped in their jobs. Mm. You know, I, I, I'd almost want to tell young people like, hey, be careful because you can get, I mean, you can get caught. Even people my age, I know that, that are stuck in their job. And the only reason they're stuck, they're not actually stuck. Not they actually could get stuck. out. Yeah. But they kind of are because you have a mortgage, you have kids, you have car payments, mm-hmm. you have debt. Um, you know, you can't just quit your job and then go get another career. And because you, um, you can't just start over again. When I was building my business, Mm -hmm. like I was a little like timing wise and everything else, I was blessed with, um, uh, the fact that I didn't have, uh, I didn't have kids. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't have a young kid. I have a 10 year old daughter now, but I started my business in 2005. So what? 13 years ago. Right. So when I was grinding and I could just go, I could work 24 seven, you know, my wife was fine. You know, I'd see her, but like, we don't have, I don't have to be there for, for kids. Right. right, So, um, again, great timing, lucky. But if I had to do that now, if I had to start a business right now with a 10 year old and like, Hey, I might miss her dance recitals. Could you do it? Could you do it? You think? Um, I don't know that I would. I don't mm. because I don't think it's worth the sacrifice of like leaving that and not not seeing them, not seeing mm. her grow up. I I just I don't think it would be worth it. Mm. I don't think. What, what, what <laughs> I, do you think you would be doing? Let's go back into a parallel no, universe right now. No, like what what do you think you would be doing? I would do um, if what if you didn't have, let's see, if you if you uh, or if you had a kid earlier. Yeah. And you were in that situation where you're like, then, then what would you do? What do you think your vocation would be? Well, I, I, think, I, I think I eventually would do something, but you can't take the risks. Mm. So when I started my business, I just had no, I, 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 didn't, have, I didn't have a lot of debt. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, we didn't have a lot of bills. I mean, you have a mortgage and you have everything else. But like um, I started my business. I didn't get a business loan. Mm. I didn't have, you know, we had my wife was working, you know, in counseling. Yeah. And then so we could almost I don't want to say live off her money, but like I could almost go without making money right. for a little while. Right? right. Right. And so that's not a, that's what I mean. It's like we had the freedom and I mm-hmm. had the the um, um, I, I was I had the ability to be able to quit my job mm. and then go like pursue something that was bigger. I don't think I did. I definitely didn't set out to like build this huge company. It was like, I just, I set out because I wanted to, I wanted to be my own boss. Mm. You know, I wanted to, it was one of those things where I wanted to start my own business. Almost everybody says, Hey, I want to work for myself. I want to own my own business. And they don't even know what that means really. Mm. And then a lot of people get into doing that. And this sucks. This is horrible. Yeah. I want to work for someone. Right. Right. That's sort of like the thing. It's way easier. It's way better. All the risk, all the stress, you know, all that stuff. So I'll tell you what I had the probably, probably the first three years that I was in business. Mm -hmm. Like I bet every other day that I, that I was like, Oh man, if my boss, if my old boss called me back, really? like, I would so go back <laughs> a billion percent. It's hard. It's really hard. Yeah. It's hard mentally because you do you you discipline yourself out. too. You're like, dude, you didn't do it. You didn't do enough. Like you're almost your, if, and some people yeah. I'm, I'm my hardest critic. Yeah. Are you the same way? You, are you just, I am. Yeah. But I think it helps again. We were talking about statistically it, like it helps keeping score. Yeah. So you know where you're at. Yeah. You know, if you didn't have that, if you didn't have that gauge and you really didn't know where you're at and how you're how you're progressing. Yeah. And you have to have goals and then the pursuit of those goals. If you didn't have any of that stuff, then uh, you would be lost and you wouldn't know where you, you know, you, you wouldn't know where you were and you don't know where you're going. So it would be it'd be a problem. You own a NASCAR team? Do yeah. you t- tell me how the, how does yeah. that happen? That's not an everyday story. All right, so with Lee Filter, uh, <laughs> we we were sponsors. Somebody caught it was one of those days where you know how you're in the office or like you have time and you're crazy busy, mm-hmm. but like every once in a while like the phone will ring and you'll just pick it up. Weird phone call. Hey, somebody yeah. calls me and they're like, "Hey, um, we're from Richmond International Speedway and uh, we want you to sponsor one of the race cars." Oh really? Okay, I'm, you know that, and it's crazy expensive. That's a right? weird. That's a weird I, question. I would. I don't think anyone. I don't think uh, my entire life to be like Aaron. You want to? But so what? No, do you, but, what do you do? do no, you you're, say I got to talk to my team, or are you like sure? No, 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 no. I own the company, so I'm. I own Leaf Filter. No, right, right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But like, do you? How does that process happen? This is like six years ago. Okay. So, so um, I'm like, well, yeah, we'll sponsor. Well, okay. Well, tell me about sponsoring a car. Like, how much? How much is it? Right. And it wasn't that much money. Okay. And so I, I want to say it was like $8,000. Okay. That's not a lot. It's not. I but, say that, it, I mean, $8,000 yeah. is no, to, to a lot of people. But, but yeah. But trust yeah, me, I mean, if I told you now what it costs to sponsor cars and all that stuff, it's like, it's, 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 it's I don't want to say insane, but it's, it's a lot of money. Yeah. So uh, it's way more than $8,000. Let's put it that way. Okay. So at any rate, um, I was like, all right, well. That doesn't sound crazy. Yeah. Uh, again, at this time we were, we we're, you know, we were a hundred million dollar company and like, you know, or getting to be a hundred million dollar company. And so we were spending a lot of money on marketing anyway. So the, uh, with the ability to have our, our name on a car, maybe get pictures, posters, you know, racing, uh, you know, it's that, that seems cool. So it was like talking to those guys and, and the race was going to be like that next weekend. Mm-hmm. But I asked them, I said, well, 
I, we can't do it next weekend, but can we have some time to like do the kind of car that we want? Maybe bring some people again, make a big deal of it. I thought from a marketing standpoint is like that we could be able to show it pictures of our leaf filter car. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, whether you sponsor the car one time or all season, like Mm -hmm. nobody would know. So, you know, if I have a picture like right there, if we did that one time, you would never know. It's like, wow, do you have a race team? So, um, so we did that down in Charlotte yeah. about five years ago. And I took 60 people down from Akron, and uh, we had a blast. And it was cool to watch the car, our company's logo on the track. And, uh, and so, like, fell in love with it. So we did it again, you know, the next, uh, uh, like, a few races later. And then um, sponsored a car for the following season, okay? And, uh, and the company fell in love with it. So I'm a team guy. The company fell in love with it from the standpoint of they really got into like racing and got into the fact that your company is out on a track and you have somebody to root for. Yeah. You have something to root for like your company. Everybody started wearing leaf filter, um, racing gear, like our car actually at the time was number eight. Uh, so everybody had number eight, uh, shirts on Saturdays, they'd turn on the TV. And so people took pride in the fact that, Hey, that's my, Hey, that's the company that I work for. I work in the call center at leaf filter and there's my car. That's my driver. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, um, I thought that was a huge step for our company to be able to just create. Cause again, we sell gutter screens, right? It's not the sexiest thing in the world. It's hard to, right? It's hard to, how do you get everybody just fired it's up and motivated? If you hate leaves enough, it can be sexy. It, it, well, that's true. <laughs> and some people probably do think I it's sexy. Yeah. So, but we do, uh, so it was a big time team thing mm-hmm. where it's like, hey, team leaf filter. But we've always talked about it that way. So team leaf filter. So anyway, so we're sponsoring for a while. We get more into it. And then entrepreneurial, being the entrepreneur that I am, yeah you know, getting to know some of the other owners and some of the managers and, and, and NASCAR. And I'm like, dude, I can do this myself. I can do this. Like I'm as good as these guys are. Hmm. So I, uh, I went out and found a general manager that, uh, that actually knew the industry and, and could, we started talking to manufacturers and, uh, and went and, and got a race shop. It was actually an old go-kart shop Hmm. that was, it was like a retail store. It was like going to like a Napa store or like an AutoZone. Really? And so we gutted that thing, turned it into a race shop, and, um, you know, and started a race team from scratch. And then do you like, do you build the car? How does that work? Does someone else build it? This is like the most interesting thing. So just go ahead. So then you have to have an alliance. So we had to have an alliance deal because these guys have been racing NASCAR for 50 years. Yeah. You know, almost everybody's been in the sport. So it's not like you can just get into it and mm-hmm. then start competing with these. These guys have been doing this for, for decades. And so we aligned, we got an alliance deal. So part of looking around and everything else, an alliance deal with Richard Childress Racing. So, um, so those guys have been doing it for years. And, and so we buy our cars, buy our engines from Earnhardt Childress Racing. Gotcha. And so, um, so we have a, we have a partnership, yeah. you know, and almost teammates uh, with those guys. So that's been huge. So now we're in our third year. We are, uh, we've taken that race shop, that 15,000 square foot race shop, and we just put a 15,000 square foot addition on that thing. So now we have 30,000 square feet. Uh, we're about to start a second team, and, uh, and it's, it's, it's awesome. When you say a second team, is that a different car? Is that a different, a different car? Different car. So we run the number 11 um, 
you know, Chevrolet. It was uh, eight. It's now 11. Yeah, it's it, now 11. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So when I started my own team, um, we were able to get, you know, I, I was a quarterback at co- in college. So mm-hmm. I played for the Akron Zips. And so I was number 11. Oh, nice. And so we were able to get my number uh, from NASCAR. Oh, we were cool. able to get number 11. And so, yeah, it's really cool. So we were just actually down at the race shop last weekend. And um, and they had like a little ceremony. They they put a jer- one of my jerseys on the wall, and and oh, so the, cool. the font, so to speak, on the uh, on the number eleven is the same that it was on my jersey, oh, like cool. in college. So, so who's cool. your, how do you get a driver? Oh, who's your who's your driver? So our driver's Ryan Truex. Okay, I've okay. So I've yeah. seen stuff about him. Yeah. How do you acquire a talent like that? I well, say acquire like he's a human being. Yeah, but you know what I'm trying to say. Like in a dr- oh, yeah. like how does that work in racing? I know nothing about yeah. NASCAR. I, I'm a big sports guy. How does that happen when you put it when you put it together? No, you go out and get it's you know it's just like football like are you you know you're familiar with football? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, dude. You, you like football? You, we could do a whole other episode, yeah. man. We could do a whole other episode. So of football. yeah, you know you need a quarterback. You need a you know the, you get the best talented people that you can. So yeah. uh, so Ryan's a young guy. He's uh, 26 years old, but he's been racing for years. His brother Martin Truex Jr. Mm-hmm. is the uh, Cup champion. Oh, wow. um, in, in NASCAR. So, so it's pedigree there. So th- yeah. So this is his younger brother. Okay. You know, uh, Ryan's dad there, Martin senior, uh, you know, was a NASCAR driver, you know, back in the day. So yeah, these guys, and he, he's a, he's a racer. I mean, this kid can, um, he can wheel it. So mm. he gets around the track. He loves it. Uh, he lives it. And so, uh, you know, we were fortunate enough to get him, uh, this past, uh, off season. And, uh, now we've run, We've run 11 races, so we're 30. We have 33 races. We're a third of the way through the season, and he's got himself. He's, he's eighth in points. That so so this is th- so you're looking at. Of course, you're looking at stats. Yeah. I'm sure. When you're, I got a few more before you got to go. Yeah. The you're on the track. Like, where are you? Do you you sit in the? Is it called the pit? Yeah. You go in the pit. You, you sit in the pit. What is that feeling like? On the pit box. When 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 the cars are going by, because it's got to be such a powerful experience. Can yeah. you describe that? It's uh, it's exhilarating to say the least. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the tracks you're sitting on the well, the, they call it the pit box. So it's where the cars come in, you know, and, and they change the tires. That yeah. sound. Okay. Yep, all that stuff. That was a great sound. I've <laughs> been to NASCAR. I just watch a lot of TV. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, so that's you're sitting on the pit box. So uh-huh. typically the crew, the crew chief, um, some of the engineers like will sit up there with their computers, mm. just calculating fuel mileage and, and doing stuff like that. And it's inside. When I say inside, it's inside of the track. Right. So like you're. Oh, yeah. And the inner on the inner circle and the right? inside. Okay. Yeah, on the like in the infield. OK. So but you're sitting right there. You're probably 12 feet up off the ground. And, you know, you've got a great vantage point of all, uh, you know, of, of the track. You know, there's TV monitors and everything else on the pit box. You can watch, you know, where they're at on the track. And uh, but it's fun. It's just like saying if you were on the sideline of a football game, mm-hmm. standing right next to the head coach. I mean, that's exactly what oh, you're that's, doing. That's cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or you're in an NBA game and you're sitting right next to you're on the bench. Right. You're right in the middle of the action. And you're, you have headphones on. You're listening to the driver. So the driver and the spotter up in the tower is showing them and telling them, you know, where everybody else is on the track. And so as fans, fans can listen to that stuff. But, um, you know, as a team owner and being involved in a sport with a team, it's just, it's just awesome. That's cool. That's why I said why people said originally, and this is what I said, how did you get it? Why did you start your own team? And it's like, well, one, we want to win, mm-hmm. and it would be just cool. But it's just badass, yeah. right? 
it's badass to own a NASCAR team. Yeah. And so this obviously is competitive drive. This thread continues. Uh, who who do you think you're, you were an athlete? Yeah. You were, you were an, are an athlete. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that ever stops. Who's the who's the best athlete in the world right now? Let, let, let's go through this real quick. Okay. Basketball. LeBron James. Of course. Right. right? I mean, we're a Cleveland guy, but but he he is. I Isn't it incredible? It is just absolutely incredible. And I'm. You know, I told you I grew up in Cincinnati, but lived in Chicago, went to high school in Chicago. Yeah, you grew up there for, for a few years before you went to college, right? So how many years were you in Chicago? So I was in Chicago for three years. Okay. Yeah. And then you came to Akron, And right? then came to okay. Akron on a football scholarship. Gotcha. And that's and where you met your wife? Met she was a like, cheer- cheerleader? Yep. For the, okay, cool. Yep. She was a cheerleader. She's from Copley. Okay. And so, um, so yeah. So her family's still here. and, and uh, But Michael but you, Jordan. You knew Jordan. There's a Jordan yeah. debate with- The with, whole time. But when I was there in Chicago, I mean, that was- it was the Bulls when the Bulls were just rock stars. Oh my gosh, what they a... were rock stars too. But and he was amazing, and he it right, Michael Jordan. Michael, right? So it's it's tough to say, hey, LeBron. But LeBron's right there, and and uh, and is probably proving what is he in eight finals in a row? Eight, right? This is yeah, eight finals in a row, nine total. So in his career, I mean, it's fifteen years, that? right? So like nine out of fifteen years, you're in the finals. Yeah, and with some of his supporting cast. I mean, as an athlete, for people who don't, everyone's like, oh well. They talk casually. What does it take for someone to prepare their body? You've been on high levels of, of play. Yeah. And even when being involved in, in with colleague racing and NASCAR, there's a different preparation, but it's still a high level of competition. What does it take from morning to night to prepare yourself for something like that? Well, as far as like LeBron James? Well, as far as an athlete and then yeah. and then being able to sort of uplift that claim that LeBron's one of the or yeah. is the best basketball player in the world the, right those now. Those guys are they're on such a different level. Like the the elite athletes are on such a different level hmm. that none of us even I I don't think we can even we can't comprehend. Yeah. You know, he he works hard, but he's got he's so talented, right? Yeah. And he's just on another level like Tom Brady. Yeah. Tom Brady works crazy hard. But he's just on a different. Is he the best football player in the world? You think? Uh, I mean, for his position. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. All right. Do you? I was a hater for a long time. I was like, "Hey, it's the system." Uh, no, it's so. not. Yeah. I mean, after after this, I don't think it's. And then you look and you go, "Wait a second. When you look at the talent, and this is not to knock any of those guys. Yeah. There are pieces and parts that you could take out a part, put in a piece. He's still operating at that level. Yeah. I mean, in his mind, the way it works, to go through the progressions, to go through the everything, to see him be able to stay calm. He has a line. He has help. He has a system. But no, the, his consistency. He's got to be the, the best quarterback I've ever seen. And you're right. And the, and, and the word is consistency. And they've mm-hmm. been – these guys have been doing it for – I mean, how long has LeBron been? 15 years. 15 years. Yeah. 15 years. It's he's crazy. only 33 years old. Yeah. But he's that good and he's getting better. So Tom Brady has been doing it for he's probably like that long now. too, yeah. right? Yeah. 15 years or 17 years or whatever. But he's getting better. I yeah. mean, they continue to get better. These guys take care of their bodies. They take care of their minds. They take care of their um, – you know, they still – try to get better. They skill up every single year mm-hmm. and, and they um, improve their game, right? They don't bank on that athletic ability. LeBron could have banked in same with Tom Brady. Yeah. It seems like almost kind of like what you do as well, where you're, where just from a, from a mental standpoint, how do I get better? Yeah. How do I improve? How do I look at these stats and how do I shift? They seem to have that same sort of DNA. Well, I think in business, and I always say this, you either, you continue to grow or you start to die. Mm. Okay. That's one of the main things that I, always talk about either you continue to grow or you start to die. Yeah. And so I think the athletes are that way too. I mean, you could, 
you could get to a certain point in business or even in your athletic career and say, you know what, I'm good. Like LeBron could say, I'm the best player in the league. Like, I don't even need to practice. Remember Allen Iverson? Yeah. You know, famously was about, like, just practice. practice. Why do I need to practice? Just I'm practice. Allen Iverson. Yeah. But, um, and I think, <laughs> I think people are that way in business where they're mm. like, look, we're, man, like we've achieved it. We're doing $3 million in mm-hmm. sales. I mean, we are awesome. This is so fun. Let's go on vacation, you yeah. know? And let's just, if we could just maintain and just keep it this way, this is going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. And life just doesn't work that way. Right. You either you have to continue to grow. You have to continue to get better because things just don't stay the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, right? I mean, I even in relationship, I mean, stuff. Yeah, you can't coast. You see what uh, happens when you coast relationships. You're hanging out with a thing, tub of ice cream and you're like, hey, honey, yeah. how you doing? <laughs> right. That's a problem. She's like, a, where's the roses? It's a What happened? <laughs> so that's uh, so things just don't stay the same. Right. As much as we want them to all stay the same, they just don't. So you have to continue to improve everything that you have going on mm-hmm. because it will change. It just changes. Are you a baseball guy? You like uh, baseball? Though? Um, no, no, really. You played. I mean, I, you played though. Right? I did. Well, I always tell people like I played football, but my best sport was baseball. But you don't like it as much to it's watch. It's so boring. That's so honest. I can't. I, I dude, appreciate I, you saying that. I man. can't even take it. So even I go in I, and out. I go in and out to- at times. I can't. A lot of the regular season, I'm just kind of tuning in for a few innings. But it is. It's a. It's a slow paced game. I always said if I was the right fielder. Okay. No offense to anybody, but like if I'm a right fielder in Major League Baseball and I had to play 162 games or whatever they play. And I did that for a living, and I was on the road half the year and then had to just stand in right field and get three balls hit to me, like, during the game. I, I would go crazy. Right. So, the, you know. You could write a dissertation half, out there. Take a nap, have a cup crazy. of coffee. Yeah. yeah. So that's why I say it's like I, I enjoy going to the Indian, Indians games and, like, even during the playoffs and the World Series. And uh, that's fun, yeah. exciting. I watch it. I yeah. follow them. But, uh, yeah, as far as it's boring, dude. Yeah. What, yeah. Who's the what, what's the best NASCAR team out there? Um, well, right now I my, I think Martin Truex Jr. Mm-hmm. is uh is the best. So yeah. you know Ryan's older brother. Yeah. Uh, they've they've been really hooked up this season. Uh, he won the championship last year. They were very dominant. So um, you know, but there's a there's a number of guys. Yeah. You know, Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick and those guys are having big seasons as well. So. Um, but they're on a different level. Same thing. Those guys are on a different level as far as maturity, uh, skill. They've got great teams. They've been with their teams for a while. And, uh, you know, some of those guys just get out on the track and they're just at a diff- they're on a different place. They're on a different level than everybody else. Can you remember a conversation that changed your life? You know, I don't think there's one specific conversation mm-hmm. uh, that I've had, but I think it's just a, a, a culmination of, like, just parents – uh, talking and, and just providing wisdom or grandparents, um, your family, family, yeah. you know, uncles and aunt, people that you respect and you want to be like them. Hmm. Um, you know, just teaching that you don't even realize that they're teaching, you know, when you're having, when I'm, um, you know, driving as a kid to a baseball game and my dad's just telling me how to play or just talking about the game or uh, recapping the game after the game. Like you don't even realize the, the wisdom that they're giving you. And I'm not just talking about sports, but I'm talking about just, you, you know, even in general or coaching, you know, mm. where you're after a game or at halftime and the coach is either ripping you or, you know, or inspiring you, you know, you just don't realize the teamwork and the, the, the life lessons that they're actually teaching you in those moments. Mm. So, 
I always say, I don't know how in business or even in life that people that weren't, that didn't play athletics or they weren't involved in clubs or teams of some sort. Mm -hmm. I don't even know how they, I don't know how they get through, you know, I I almost want to say, I don't know how they get through life Mm -hmm. because all the ups and downs and what, yeah. Or they can't deal with like a boss. Like sometimes your boss, you know, I had a situation not long ago where like I, I wasn't in the best mood. Mm -hmm. Okay. Around the office. And like, I was, I was saying a few things like not, in not bad thing, mm-hmm. I'm acting like I'm yelling at people, but just being direct. <laughs> right. Hey, get that out of there. I don't want to see that. Mm-hmm. You know, take that offline. Like, I don't want to, we're changing this. I'm in charge and this is what we're doing and that's it. And people, a few people lost their minds mm. where they were like, am I getting fired? Am I, what's wrong? You know, I thought everything was going okay. And it's like, listen, everything is okay. Right. You know, you're allowed, and I tell my daughter that, like, your parents are allowed to yell at you, mm-hmm. right? Your your uh, your pastor is allowed to say stuff to you. Mm. Your coach, your boss, you know, your you know, your there are authority figures in your life that are allowed to teach you stuff. That's important, and are allowed to uh, you know are allowed to manage you a little bit. Yeah. So um, I think those life lessons and those conversations that you get from teachers and um, coaches, you know, coaches parents, mm-hmm. authority figure, even your friends' parents, you know, that, uh, that you really look up to and respect. I think a, a combination or a culmination of all of that, um, you know, is just one big conversation that never stops happening. Hmm. I appreciate you doing this, man. Thank, now you got to get on a plane right now, right? I do. I got to yeah. get to my Honda Civic, but you're going, I'm going where, to New Orleans. Where are you going right I'm now? going to New Orleans. Are you? Yeah. Actually, business. for a uh, for well, it's it's business. Okay, but it's for a um, a growth conference. So Inc okay. is having growth conference down there, and so I always I'm I'm big into motivation. I think it's really important, you know, not only that uh, that you actually work out your mind and keep your mind you know fresh mm-hmm. and your attitude good. You know, just like we were talking about LeBron James and Michael Jordan, those guys take care of their bodies yeah. and probably their minds. Well, I think in business and in life, you have to take care of your mind. So we're going down to a uh, just a motivational business conference. OK. And, uh, you know, for a couple of days and 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 uh, and see how we can be inspired. I really appreciate your time, man. Dude, time is valuable. Awesome. Thank you. Love it. Awesome. For all your listening needs for The Connect, make sure you go to the connectpodcast.com. You can also find The Connect on most platforms and apps where you stream your podcast. Make sure you go and do that and subscribe. And remember, stay connected. I'll talk to you next episode. And everybody wants to tell you how to sing your song. Everybody's got it wrong. Everybody's got it wrong.